The following is a message from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at westcal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. Privileged to introduce our morning devotion speaker. The Reverend Jim Bland is currently the coordinator of the denominational church planting committee known as Mission to North America, a position that he's held for, I'm sorry, 13 years. Uh, Prior to that, he was a pastor, a church planter for many years. But perhaps most importantly, at least for our history, uh, he stood in the wedding party of our president, Bob Godfrey. Uh, He and Dr. Godfrey go back now some 40-some years Uh, They went to school together. They were best friends together. They stood in each other's wedding party. So it's a delight to have uh, Reverend Jim Bland. For those of you that don't know, uh, there is a lunch forum this afternoon uh, with uh, Dr. Bland to talk about church planting. Uh, What is church planting in the PCA? What does it look like, et cetera, et cetera? And if you haven't done so already, there was a sign-up sheet that was passed around, but I'm sure maybe we can work. There's some extras. We can work something out, but you'll have to go through me. So come see me if you're interested in coming, by all means. We'd love to have you come and uh, hear from Dr. Bland about church planting. But thank you for coming and bringing God's word to us this morning. It's my privilege to be back with you. Um, I have a confession to make. I was going to impress you with my my iPad. Uh, They're trying to get me into the 21st century at Mission to North America, and I downloaded my notes and my, my scripture reading. And uh, as I looked at my scripture, it says, unable to pull up. And here I am, embarrassed as I can be, and I have just my notes. And so I had to humbly go back to the administrative offices and ask. I introduced myself as I'm the chapel speaker and asked for a Bible. So uh, (laughs) if you would turn with me in your Bibles, uh, and we're not going to get into this yet, but uh, Luke chapter 15, we're going to look at the first two sections of the parable that I'm sure you're most familiar with, and that has everything to do with the lost coin, lost sheep, and the lost son, but we're going to look at the first two. We're going to look at the lost sheep and the lost coin. But I'm honored to be here, and I thank you for that introduction, Dr. Kim. Uh, as I mature, as I get older, it sounds like every introduction is ancient history. Uh, all these relationships that go back so far. Uh, Dr. Godfrey and I uh, entered Gordon Seminary. It wasn't Gordon Conwell, it was Gordon Seminary in the fall of 1967. And uh, then we graduated together in 1970. And he went on to graduate school, and then I went on to be an assistant minister in a large church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So uh, very honored to to be here, and I'm thankful for the privilege once again of opening the word, but to think in terms of what this looks like as we open this parable. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the joy of being together as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we do pray that you would encourage us to be motivated to have a heart for lost people. Be pleased, Father, to do that in this uh, hour that we have together, or shortly, uh, not an hour. For Jesus' sake, amen. Have you ever lost anything of value? 
And I'm sure that every one of us could identify, yes, we've lost something of value. Well, it could be a sentimental value. It could be of utilitarian value, like lost keys and how attentive you are to find those keys. It could be something that is necessary for your business or for school or what have you, but we can all identify with uh, losing things of value. I think probably the most trying when it comes to lost persons of value, thinking of lost children. I don't know any of you uh, have stories about lost children or you being lost and your parents tell you about how they panicked and they looked for you. Well, about three years ago, um, my wife and I had the privilege of, of attending uh, a um, a Sunday afternoon gathering at Park City's Presbyterian Church in Dallas, Texas. Our oldest child has our three grandsons. The middle one was three years old at the time, and I was in charge of him. His name is Marshall. I was in charge of him, and, and uh, they said, just don't let him get out of your sight. And uh, they had, uh, uh, you know, slides, and it had picnic atmosphere, and I turned my back to him one second, and he was no longer there. And I want you to know that I went into panic mode. First of all, I was afraid for him, but secondly, I was afraid for me because I was in charge of my grandson. I, I was responsible to, to be the one who keep, kept an eye on him. And I have to tell you that emotionally, I was wrung out as I ran from activity to activity to activity to activity. This little guy was grease lightning, and I finally saw him. And I can't tell you the relief in my soul when there Marshall was. And we were okay. And I didn't tell his parents for a long time <laughs> that he was, he was out of my sight. Uh, listen to this. The, the value of lost items determines the intensity of the search. Value of lost items determines the intensity of the search. And so it is in the spiritual world. Uh, the value that the church places on lost people has, unfortunately, in the evangelical world, been minimized. Uh, we think in terms of, uh, in the broader evangelical context, even questioning the judgment let alone uh, articles and books being written on, is there truly a hell? Would a loving God send anyone to hell? Uh, those of you who are raised in the church, probably one of the first verses, aside from um, Jesus wept, was John 3.16. Uh, and we know God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not what? What's the word? Perish. Same root word that we get the word lost from. Perish and lost come out of the same uh, Greek uh, root word, lost. Um, I have to confess that in my own denomination, there's not the passion for lost people that there has been in the past. As I do the statistics, and that's part of my responsibility in missions in North America to challenge the church when it comes to thinking in terms of reaching lost people, my job description is very simply to advance the gospel throughout North America. And how do we best do that? Well, at the heart is church planting, and at the heart of church planting is gathering uh, the lost into the family of God, God's elect to be found, to draw them into the life of the body of believers, the church. Over the last 10 years, 
one of the statistics that I have just reported is that over the last 10 years, the um, additions of adults by profession of faith has dropped 5.4% over the last 10 years. So I would love to report that we are impassioned for lost people and we are seeing them brought into the life of the congregation, but that is uh, a challenge for us. And so in reading this passage of scripture in just a minute, I'm going to ask you what, what is your quotient when it comes to lost people? How impassioned are you to see the lost found? Uh, we know that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father sent the Son uh, to this earth to seek and to save the lost. I mean, he reported that that was his mission to seek and to save lost people. And so in the context of this passage of scripture that I'm going to read in, in just a second, uh, it is that uh, he's gathered his followers with him, but the Pharisees and the scribes are gathered and listening. Uh, he has gathered sinners and tax collectors around him, and he knows that there's murmuring among the spiritual or the religious leadership of that time. So hear the word of God, reading the first 10 verses of Mark chapter 15, I'm Luke chapter 15. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law murmured, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 who need no repentance. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And so we see to the chagrin of the scribes and the Pharisees, Jesus places a high value on sinners and tax collectors. Uh, so much so that he is guilty by association. And I think you know in Luke 7, he is called a drunkard and a glutton because he hangs out with sinners, people who need him. As we look at this passage of scripture, these two subsets to the parables, I think it means that this is one parable, three subsets, and I'm doing the first two. Uh, three things jumped out at me, and I want you to see them. First of all, the value of the one. The one lost sheep, the one lost coin. Secondly, the intensity of the search. And then thirdly, the joy in heaven. So look at this. First of all, we have the lost sheep. And he leaves the 99 and goes searching for that lost sheep. Now logically, this little one runs off and gets lost. What's a lost sheep to him if he has 99? You know, there'll be more sheep in a year. Uh, but he places great value on the one. And so the woman loses a coin, one of ten, of great value to her. And she searches her house, turns it upside down, looking for 
the one. So I think what the Lord is saying here is that each individual has great meaning created in the image of God, could be called as the elect of God. The value of the one. Whom in your relationships is outside of Christ that you know? Uh, and, and you know that it may be your witness as the only one who in time-space history may have the opportunity to share the good news. The value of the one. And then secondly, we see the intensity of the search. Do you see how long the search goes on? How long does the search go on? Until the one is found. So there's not a stopping. There is the intensity of the search until the sheep is found, the little lamb is found, and secondly, until the coin is found. So we have value in the one, lost lamb or lost coin, and obviously the lesson is the lost sinners who are surrounding me, Jesus saying to the scribes and the Pharisees. There's value in the one, and the search goes on until that one is found. And then we have what? Then we have rejoicing. Uh, the shepherd calls his friends and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. In other words, let's have a party. And the woman says to her friends, rejoice with me, for I have found my lost coin. Let's have a party. And then the scene switches to the angels in heaven who are rejoicing over the one that's found, the lamb, the coin. No, the lost people. And so there's a great rejoicing going on. Then we drop down. I didn't read that passage of scripture about the lost son. We could talk about the lost two sons, the, the, the pharisaical son, as well as the rebellious son. But do you not see, in essence, the picture here of the lost one came to his senses, came home? And what happened? Well, there was grumbling on the part of the older brother, but was there not rejoicing? Was there not a party? Was there not great celebration? So ought we not to anticipate that God will use us as means of bringing in the elect, to gather the elect and to build them up in the faith, and that God uses us as instruments of his gospel call? Now, admissions in North America, our primary focus is on church planting, and in particular, we call our church planters to seek lost people, not just to shuffle the saints around, but to see the lost found by God's grace, and to believe that this is, in essence, advancing the kingdom by seeing lost people found. The value of lost items determines the intensity of the search. I was a pastor in Miami for nine years, and Saturday afternoons were sacred to me because I was finishing up my sermon, and I didn't want to be disturbed. And I, everyone knew in the congregation, you don't disturb the pastor on Sunday afternoon, I mean Saturday afternoon, unless it's really, really, really important. And I could remember maybe two or three times I got knocks on windows, and I knew that it was important. And my wife knew that it was a sacred time. And she had a, a signal of calling me, letting it ring twice, putting it down, calling back twice, and I knew something was important, and I would get back to her. 
Well, one Saturday afternoon, having a terrible time putting this sermon together. I don't know any of you just regularly preach now, and you know how challenging it could be when things just don't seem to come together in frustration. And I got that call from my wife. I need you to pick up the phone. And she was weeping. And she says, I've lost my diamond. I cannot find it. I have turned the house upside down. Now, remember, Saturday afternoon is a sacred time for me. So I said to my wife, suck it up. I'm not going to drop this and come home. Are you crazy? I have to preach tomorrow morning, and this is of great value to me. (laughs) You know, that's not true. I said, I will be right there. (laughs) And so dropped everything, went home, helped her search the value of lost items determines the intensity of the search. And so that was of great value to my wife and to me. And I dropped everything and went and searched for the diamond. Found the diamond. And she was happy as she can be. God was gracious. The sermon came together. And they lived together happily ever after. <laughs> but you see how important lost people are to God. If the Lord Jesus Christ hangs out so intently with sinners and tax collectors so that he has identified an association with them as doing those things that were common to sinners in those days. What about us? Lost people matter to our Lord and to his kingdom. Um, There's a growing casual approach to outreach or evangelism today in the evangelical world, in the reformed world. Because of my ancient history that Dr. Kim rehearsed, I came into uh, the pastorate when uh, what has been dubbed today as confrontational evangelism was the method. Whether it was the four spiritual laws or it was evangelism explosion, it was a more up-close-and-personal challenge to come to Christ. Uh, Today, we can talk about confrontational evangelism versus relational evangelism evangelism, just easing into relationships. But what we found among those church, aspiring church planters is quite often they never get around to calling a person to Christ. It's always building this relationship, building this relationship. It's just not time. It's just not time. It's just not time. Value of lost people. I'd rather refer to what a number of churches are doing today as intentional evangelism, not confrontational, not relational, but intentional. There is intentionality to call people to Christ among the laity, not just the pastorate. And I've referred to the more casual approach as a casual approach. And we can see a definition of casual would be without definite or serious intention. If our Lord Jesus Christ said, I am going to the Father, but I leave you with the mission the Father gave me, what might part of that mission be? And that is to be seeking lost people. The value of lost items determines the intensity of the search. I was intense in my search for my grandson. I was intense for the search for the diamond And I pray by God's grace, I'll set the example of being intense when it comes to seeing lost people found. And may God bless you 
to think in terms of what it means to be obedient to the great commission to make disciples. In order for a person to be a disciple, they must follow Christ, and they follow Christ by knowing who he is and coming into a faith relationship with him. Let me pray. Father, have mercy upon us that we may value lost people, so much so that we would be encouraged to communicate the love of God in Christ for lost sinners. We bless you for the relationships we have with lost people and pray for them to come to their senses spiritually. For Jesus' sake, amen. Copyright 2011, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.